So my goal this morning, first off, I just want to welcome you and uh, let you know we're glad you're here, but I have a goal this morning. My goal is to create a sandwich of understanding for, for people. Once you got, hey guys, go sit right over there. All y'all just pile in that corner. Yeah, just back up to that corner. Yeah, it'd be great. Come on. Go right over there. That way. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here, come fill in this, come and fill in this row here so we can see you. Come here. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. That's right. My, I, I want to, I, I fully understand that some of you might just be here because it's tradition and that's fine, and you're welcome. We're glad you're here. People who are searching, we're glad you're here. It doesn't, that's fine. We're invited. But I want to be really clear, because Jesus is clear about what the gospel is and gives evidence to us as individuals as do we live in the gospel? Are we followers of Jesus, or are we just religious? So we're going to do this with the kids first. So kids, uh, good morning. How are you all today? What's Easter mean to you? What, why do we celebrate Easter? Because the Easter Bunny comes. The Easter Bunny comes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyone else? I heard another one. Yes. He rose from the dead, right? Okay. Anyone else have any other thing to add to that? All right. First service, we got some eggs coming and all that stuff, but... Uh, when God created the world, so I want you to picture this as uh, an, a, an image of you and me uh, before we, we did anything wrong. So when God created Adam and Eve, the world was perfect. It's hard to believe, isn't it? So I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Have any of you tooken, taken toys from your brother or sister before? Look, oh, I love your, oh my, Lacombe forgot you, that, that was the sweetest acknowledgement I've ever seen in my life. Oh my lord. I think I'm done. I mean, she was just like, I've done it. <laughs> Beautiful answer. You know, we've done stuff wrong, right? And Adam and Eve, they did something wrong when they were in the garden. God said, You can take of any of the fruit of the tree, but do not take of the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And so Adam and Eve, they were without sin. They were in perfect relationship. They literally didn't wear clothes. They didn't realize they were naked. And uh, it was all at peace with... That's a little weird, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's, that's, a, um, that's how it was. But then when Adam and Eve began to do things that were apart from God, things began to happen. And so before I forget, that was close... I've got to put on some protective gloves because I've got some dye type stuff that I'm going to put down here in a second. Adults my age or older do not get concerned. <laughs> some of y'all acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. That's all right. <laughs> so Adam and Eve decided to sin, and all of us were possessive of our toys, right? Have you ever said, Mine before? You ever taken a toy and said mine? Oh, Jerry. Okay, Ellie did great. Jerry, not so much. Uh, he threw her under the bus. He's acting like an older adult. Starts to pointing fingers at other people. All right, so we do, we had this perfect image in us, and, and then because of, the, because of the fall, all of us just 
Uh, we are born with a nature of sin. We don't teach kids to say mine or no and that stuff. They just do it. You ever notice that? The kids just do that stuff, and adults get worse. So, um, so here's what happens when sin comes. So I want you to watch. It comes and it taints, and it messes up the image that we were created in. And it's just pretty horrific. So once what was perfect, our sinfulness, things that we've said, things that we've done, things that we haven't done because we are commanded to, we have another image that gets marred. And it's a sin image. And so then we have this problem where we have a life full of sin and we can't do anything about it. And that's why Jesus came. That's why we just sang about the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus took all of our sins and were, they were placed on him. The Father took the sins of all of us and they were placed on Jesus Christ, the perfect son. And when that happened, our bodies changed. Our nature changed. And there's, you ever washed clothes before like this? No, y'all haven't. Don't, don't, don't say it. Some of you older folks know they haven't done it. So we get washed. And we get washed. It took three days. <laughs> I stole that from Ashley Stoker, I'm just saying. So all of our sinfulness gets washed and clean. And we have new bodies. And it's sort of weird to say we have new bodies, but we have a new nature. And when Jesus comes in and he forgives our sins, he takes all of that and he cleans it that carpet goodbye um and he cleans it but then what happens you be adults when we some of you who are christians we we become christians and we don't sin anymore right no we we can uh, yeah you all know your parents sin right yeah that's a good yeah all right so then it's like what happens more sin more sin more sin but the beauty of it is when we are forgiven God continues to wash us clean. The work he did on the cross was a perfect work. And it takes care of all of the sins that we've done. So this is part of the sandwich that I'm going to explain today to all of us. We have to understand that our sins were forgiven if we trust in Jesus Christ by faith. So this doesn't happen to just everybody. This happens to people who place their trust in Jesus Christ and believe in him. So the question is for us, have your garments been washed white as snow? Isaiah speaks, it says, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall now be white as snow. Have you received Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is and, and trusted him? Because if you have, he's God? Amen. There you go, girl. That's awesome. But um, we can trust in him that when we continue to sin, and I'm not going to keep putting it on there, that if we are truly his, he has forgiven it. And that is good news this morning. Give them all a hand, guys. Come on, y'all can go.
So if you're um, visiting with us or new or here, just want you to be aware that we're going through the Gospel of Mark. And so we started this uh, a bit ago, and we're, we're ending up this Easter. It's not like we planned anything, but we're talking about the seed and the sower is going to be the story. And so Jesus has been performing miracles. He has been healing people. He's been removing demons. Uh, crowds have been following him everywhere. Heal me, Jesus. Heal me, Jesus. I want to be healed. And many of them just wanted to be healed from their physical infirmities, but did not want to follow Jesus and to listen to Jesus. So they had this religious attitude that if I do these things, so if I, if I come to church and if I read my Bible that God forgives me and my sins are forgiven, I want to say that Jesus, although this word, one place of it seems very gentle, the other of it is very difficult. So my goal for you is that you will understand where you stand. You're either resting in the promise of Jesus Christ and in relationship with him, I guess there's a couple places, or you're totally against and you don't want any part of him, and like I said, you're welcome here, but maybe you think in your head that you know who Jesus is, but your relationship is just absent. My wife and I, uh, coming up next month, will be married 25 years. And, yeah, thank you, thank you. Y'all, y'all thank her. <laughs> Some people just like, I don't know how you did it, girl. I don't know how you did it. I know that guy. But uh, the, my point is this. You can be married and not in relationship. You can be married, you can have a license, you can have something saying that you're something, you can have a church membership, you can have a Bible with your name on it, you can have a Bible with highlights on it, with underlines on it, with all that stuff, and you cannot be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is a tough thing. We have a world full of people who think that they believe in Jesus and they think it in their head, they know the right answers. They could probably know better answers for things than I do, but it is never sunk down to their heart. So we're going to look first off in Mark chapter 3, uh, right towards the end. If you have your Bibles or the Oasis app or the Version app, they're all on there. But we're going to be in Mark 3 briefly, and then we're going to jump to 4. So Mark 3.31 starts off and it says this. And his mother, referring to Jesus, and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him. They said, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? Isn't that an interesting conversation? Who are my mother and brothers? So he's asking these people a question. And looking about at those who sat around him, meeting his disciples, those who I would say worship God, is my brother and my sister. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister. So he's talking to a group of Pharisees who are following. They're looking even to kill him. Uh, They've already alluded to that. They don't like what he's saying. They're very religious people. If he'd have said, Oh, we need people who obey the word of God or obey God's word, meaning the Torah. They would have stood up and say, no one does it better than I do. I am the greatest obeyer of the Torah. But look at what he said. He said, whoever does the will of God 
He is my brother and sister and mother. Now, this is a tough saying. He's got blood relatives there. His mom's in the house and all this stuff. And what he's saying is there is something about being part of the family of God that there are some of you in the audience I've never met here today, but our relationship, if we get talking and Jesus is the center of our relationship, we're going to be family right then and there. You ever had it happen before? It's like immediate family. I just know you and I trust you and I'm in relationship. It's awesome. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's like, when I know you, when my Father knows you, and you begin to do the will of God, I am in a relationship with you. So he's beginning to point something out to the Pharisees here, and they're listening. So verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land." So he was followed so much that he had to get in a boat to create space. Introverts are loving this right now. Um, And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow. So now I want you to see uh, this. Go back uh, one more. Yeah, this is the land of Galilee. And it's not like the eastern shore of Maryland. It's got different tracks, different lands, different Little pieces of sections are completely different. And so when he's talking this story, he's talking about someone out to go and sow and seed. And you can put up the next picture. They reach into their basket or bag with the seed, and they cast out the seed, just sort of like this, the seed, just going around, and they cast it, and they don't worry about where it goes. They're not concerned about what the land's like. They are just throwing it everywhere, every single place that they can throw it, and they're casting seed. And so what analogy, and I'm going to ask you a question right now, what, what, can you, what do you think this is talking about, you Bible scholars out there? Your actions, what else? Spreading the word? Your actions, doing things right, you're sharing the word of God, we're casting it by our actions, people are seeing that we're followers of Jesus, we're out there sowing. It doesn't say you've got to have a Prada bag and, and wear fancy outfit, and if you're visitors, I'll never wear a fancy outfit. If you, uh, but it says that it just a sower went out with seed. It doesn't say the sower had to have 10 years at Bible school and have to memorize 100,000 scriptures. It said a sower went out to sow seed. So just start there. If you're a Christian this morning, it simply means that we're called out to cast. He's giving this analogy or this parable. It's a story. Now here I'm going to let you in on a secret. You don't know the parable unless you know who's telling the parable. You don't understand the parable unless you understand the author of it. It's not like Aesop's fable where you you can tell a good moral thing and everyone understands it. They understood the principle of farming there. They understood everything about what was given, but they did not understand what Jesus was saying. So keep that in your mind. Verse 4, And he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Now, I'm not upset at the bird, all right? Bird's just being a smart bird. Seed gets on the sidewalk, seed gets on the pathway, the birds come and they eat it up. This is a, a, a parable of when you cast a seed sometimes, people will, sometimes they'll receive it, and other times it'll be like it hits them 
and it falls off of their face, their forehead, and it drops to the ground. And the bird comes up and sweeps it away. So when you're casting seed, if, if you're sharing the word of God, you can't expect that everyone is going to hear and go, that makes complete sense to me. I am totally in. Sometimes a seed has fallen down. Have you ever had that experience before? You just share something at work with somebody and they just look at you like, you crazy. You know, and you just know it's not time. But does that keep you from having to sow the seed? Nope, you just keep sowing. Now, you don't be obtrusive and, and foolish and, and stuff. If they're not ready to hear, you give them space. But in this case, he's saying that the seed fell on the path, birds took it, there's no hope. Next, we see in verse 5 and 6, other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. So the rocky soil, the root grows, the, the, the flower, the plant grows, and it starts to get leaves, and then it dies because the roots never took place in good soil. Some folks, they come to church, and they want, uh, I remember when I was in youth ministry, they want their kids to live good moral lives. And that's why they brought them to church. And they come just for other reasons, and the root would never take place. They'd go, look, I'm a plant. Can't you see I'm doing good things? And nothing would happen. The sun would come, and they die, and they go off. They might be here a week, eight weeks, a year, and it goes. So the Pharisees are following him. They're listening to this. They're totally not getting what he's saying. They're totally not getting it. Um, let's continue on. Mark 4, 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. So you got greenery. Things are looking good. You're planted maybe in a church. You're planted in a small group. Maybe you're reading your Bible every day, but then it becomes, man, I want to I want my job and my, this vacation and maybe this new girl or guy shows up and they're, they're very interesting and you get distracted and you start thinking less about it. You're like, well, the church thing was sort of cool. It's okay, but the world just started to tangle around. Finances started getting around and you, and you get caught up by thorns and then it doesn't produce fruit and then it's gone. And there are many people who are caught up by the cares of this world. Matter of fact, in um, the New Testament in Acts, I, I believe it refers to a guy named Demas. He was one of the uh, sort of the followers of Jesus. And, it, and when they first speak of him, they say, man, he was just solid. But then later on it says, because of the cares of the world, Demas left us. And so you have people who hear the gospel, who understand the gospel in their heads, but it's never rooted down to the heart and, for, and fruit is not produced. The Bible is very clear. It says, in order to know a Christian, it says you will know them by their fruit. Not if they look pretty, not if they're a nice plant, not if they're doing the right things or doing morally good things, not because they read their Bible seven times a day or memorize verses. It's not how 
you judge a Christian, it's a good evidence of something happening. But when you see a transformed life and fruits being produced, that's when you know something's going on. I never ask anybody, when did they say this prayer, the sinner's prayer? You ever heard a sinner's prayer before? People say, you just follow after me. I never ask anyone that anymore. Here's what I ask them. If they say they're a Christian, what have you done since coming to Christ that you never would have done before Jesus? And it's just like, whoa, what do you mean? No, I want to know what have you done that no man can make you do that's just astounding. Like my wife, uh, before we were married, she got saved. And I didn't even know that she was saved. She told me she was. I didn't, I didn't even know. And out of nowhere, she begins tithing. And my mouth about dropped. She's like, I feel, and she had nothing. She was, she was po. And she started tithing. And I'm like, sister, don't go just taking money out of her checkbook just because she wants to honor Jesus if something's not changing. Now, it's not about tithing, but it's about a change of heart. You know, and so it's when we begin to do things that are different. And so then you'll see, I think, more what Jesus talks about when he gets into verse 8. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So what does he mean by this? He tells the Pharisees all this. You and I can come up with some great answers with this. We can give analogies to who we know that have done that. Maybe some of you are going, thorny soul right here. I'm a little scared. But here's what Jesus says, and here's where I hope to give you hope. It's not good grammar. I hope to give you hope. Verse 10. Actually, go back to verse 9. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 3, he said, listen. Verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. And listen to verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do, not, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? He actually says there is a key here for you. There is something that you have to have. If you don't understand this parable, you won't understand all the rest. And who is he with right now? Who is he talking to? What's the audience? Disciples, right? It turned when he was alone with his disciples. He said, this is such big news for you that if you don't get it, you won't get the rest. Can you imagine him listening up? What is it? And I'm just going to give you a real simple answer. And this is where you're going to find hope this morning, or you're going to reject hope. Being a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, is not about your works. It's not about your doing and striving and trying to earn God's favor. It's being in a relationship with Jesus, alone with Jesus, communing with Jesus that defines the relationship. He spoke to great crowds. They didn't understand. He got alone, and they looked at Jesus, and they said, what did you mean by that? 
They wanted to know. Here's my encouragement to you. If you wonder what soul you are, and maybe you're just sort of pricked, hopefully it's not by me, it's by the Holy Spirit. You're just like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm that. But if there is inside of you a desire to commune with Jesus, and you're doing that, I just want to tell you, you're on good soil. If you are communing with him and you're walking with him, be encouraged. But if you're not, and your, your attendant church is your checklist to honor God and earn your free ticket to heaven, I want to just scale you that Jesus gave this big warning here that that's not what saves you, it's knowing me. Do you know Jesus this morning? Do you know him intimately? Think about that. Like I said, I'm not going to go too far because we kept all the kids here, but uh, we've been married 26, almost year, 55, excuse me. Um, you don't just you're not just talking to people and just saying hi and bye. You get to know. Intimacy means into me you see. That's the kind of relationship we need to have with Jesus Christ. If you have that this morning, I just want to say praise him. He is risen. He loves you. He cares for you. You're in his grace. Walk in his promises. Trust him. But if there's a check in your spirit... Man, I don't know. You're in a safe place. It's okay to say, I don't know. And I'm not the Bible answer man. But if you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want that relationship with you. I don't want to be religious anymore. I don't want to be like the Pharisees. Give me the answer. And you spend time with them. I believe he'll save you. And he'll, you'll become his disciples. And you'll be in a covenantal relationship not a religious relationship. So if that's what you want this morning, if you're there and that's what you want, I just encourage you where you are. We're going to sing a song at the end together. It's going to start off slow. It'll be a little, little down, and then it's going to rise up. During that slower part, I just ask that you would just go, Jesus, I want to know you. Your desire is evidence of God doing something. If you desire it, a relationship, give that to him. But if not, if not, that's fine. Just sit there. But we're going to sing. And if you're walking in relationship with Jesus, sing to your hearts out. If the worship team would come up, if you all would stand, if, if you're able. What soil is a seed planted in your heart? What kind of soil is here? Do work with Jesus. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, would you just invade the hearts of folks who are questioning, maybe who already know you and are, are fearful of judgment or fearful that they've messed up. But Lord, as the uh, linen was white and it was, became scarlet, you made it white as snow. Would they trust in that and rejoice in that? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.